step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Three-time winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC. And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the music city. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 1025 The Game. Welcome to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford in for Glenn Blackwell. Her debut on Penalty Box Radio Live. Abigail Martin joining me in studio. Producer Calvin behind the glass. We have intern Danielle in here. And hey, intern Jonah joining us in the studio as well. Packed show tonight as we're talking all things Preds, college, hockey, Milwaukee Admirals. Who Eight-game winning streak for the Milwaukee Admirals. They are rolling up there in Wisconsin. <laughs> So, uh, Abigail, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Uh, I mean, it would be a little bit better if we had a win to talk about. Yeah, it would be very nice <laughs> to come in to talk about, but, you know, I mean, I guess a five-game losing streak is okay, right? No. No? no? no, no. Okay. Well, let, let's focus on, on something here. The Predators looked better mm-hmm. last night, at least. It, it yes. wasn't the same thing that we saw against Chicago. That was frustrating to watch here. It was one of those things where I, I tweeted out that the Predators theme had been um, good play, good play, fart noise. Because <laughs> they're making a few good plays, and then all of a sudden, a and that's what we saw a lot. And it, mm-hmm. It's another one of those games where they completely outshot the opponent. I mean, 39 shots on goal, 25 against. But we talked about this before the show and with, with Danielle and everything, too, looking at the heat map. They weren't getting lots of high danger opportunities. Like they're, They were shooting a lot from the point, and yeah, they're putting shots on net, but it wasn't maintaining possession for long periods of time. And that's one of those issues we're seeing now is that they're not getting possession to drive it towards the net. And when they do sometimes, it's Nick Benito that's scoring. <laughs> is what it really does seem to seem like. I mean, yeah, getting those shots on net, that is nice. That is a part of the game. That's a little detail that you need to have. But if they're not falling through, that's one thing. And another thing that I'm seeing is they're looking to rush. They're not, they're not bringing it into the offensive zone and looking to make a play and looking to either – crowd the defense, get through the slot, and make a rebound right in front off of a shot from blue line, as you used to see on the power play, which nobody liked, but that was better than just rushing it in and hoping to God for a breakaway. But, um, yeah, I mean, if the Predators can get right in front of the crease and either not get something even initially, but getting that rebound, that's going to put a lot better uh, statistics and like give you a better way to get find the back of the net. Because that's what it's about. Winning is, I mean, this is a winning business. Peter Laviolette said it best. No, you're absolutely right. And I mean, looking at this, too, Connor Hellebuck played a heck of a game. Mm-hmm. He really did. I mean, even though there weren't as many high-danger opportunities, he did what he was supposed to do mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of stopping I the mean, majority of the pucks yeah. that, that he faced. I mean, he stopped 38 of 39 shots that he faced. And even, you know, the Predators had a power play opportunity. And it was just interesting in terms of the way that, that this game played out because at times the Predators actually had a lot of possession but not – possession in the offensive zone to where they're cycling the puck or things mm-hmm. like that it'd be the kind of thing to where winnipeg would just get rid of it because i had to make a change the predators mm-hmm. come back with a rush and then have some shots but not maintaining possession to where you're tiring out the defense there was one and it was a matt duchene line mm-hmm. when they actually were able to cycle the puck get a few shots that just couldn't make it fall but at least you it showed signs of what we saw in the past right. in october wow it that last night was my first game <laughs> my first home game since halloween I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to 
I mean, I love you a lot, but I'm not going to complain because I've gotten to fill in for you. Yeah, those two games so. <laughs> yeah, that I missed. Those two home, that's how long they were away. Mm-hmm. They were all away for two weeks, so right. it was a little weird to see that. But it's been a rough November for the National Predators, and I know everybody's bagging on it, but they're... If you're trying to look at a positive, it's that they at least look better against Winnipeg, and now it's one of those things, build on that. It's mm-hmm. not. It's almost like a start-from-scratch thing. Okay, you did some right things against Winnipeg. What can you do right now against Vancouver? Get right. a little bit of that revenge. Play with a chip on your shoulder. Because we, we've been wanting to see that response since that Colorado game, that 9-4 franchise record-setting game. Mm-hmm. See the response. We haven't really seen them come out like they did the first two periods of the Calgary game. I mean, we're going all the way back to Halloween. Yeah. Talk about the Calgary game, and that's when they looked like a like one of the best teams in the league was those first two periods, and then all of a sudden things went to hell mm-hmm. in, in the third period, and they haven't looked the same since. It's it's one of those, did Matthew Kachuk break the Predators? Well, <laughs> what a hot take right there! But I mean, you're no, not wrong. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, yes, this the Jets game looked a lot better, and that's really good to see because it is a division game. It matters so much. You're back in your Nashville crowd after the road trip. Obviously, Chicago was horrendous i you don't want to talk about it but you have to talk about it. they look <laughs> awful and laviolette he was saying that there were a lot of aspects in the game that it was just really confusing he couldn't pinpoint one thing and with the jets um i definitely think that was a better it was definitely better you could see that from the scoreboard um going in front of connor hellebuck that's whenever they got their goal nick benino scored because he was behind the traffic behind craig smith right in front of the net and was able to block it in that if that's what it takes to get you in front of the net and find the back of the net, do that. But, yeah, I mean, the last home game that they won was against the Hawks, and it was 3 to nothing, and that was in October. That was October 29th. The last away game that the Preds won was November 4th, and it was 6-1 to against Detroit. That is an awful number to look at. I, It's an awful number to look at. I don't know. Yeah, it's frustrating for everybody. I mean, everyone's saying, oh, fire Laviolette, and not a hot take. That is not the answer to your that's not the answer. But it's going to take a turnaround. I think tomorrow night's game is going to mean so much more than even the Jets game did. No, they're not in the division, but I mean you're on a five-game losing streak. Time everybody's heads it. are yeah, everybody's heads are down. You get that game if they would have won against the Jets too, even I don't know, maybe put into overtime, get that point. Those boys are going to feel a lot better. They're going to be like, "Okay, at least we have a point. We have something that we can work with and it's the Jets." The Predators don't have a good history with the Winnipeg Jets, and that is point blank and period. <laughs> I mean, last season, everyone was talking about making trades to beat Winnipeg. And so seeing that they could even hang when they are on this horrendous losing streak. But if they come back Thursday, it's it's going to be a good turnaround. I think the storyline can really shift, and it's only November. I know Rocco was saying, like, even though it is right now and it is awful, we can build from this. And I think that is so true. And I saw a couple of questions where they were like, Okay, just because it's happening now, why do you think it won't happen later in the season? And that's simply because, as an athlete, you can look at the game and you know, okay, this is where we messed up, this is what not to do. We got out of this rut before, we can do it again, and we don't need to let ourselves get five, game deep, five games deep. Because now, Preds are playing catch-up. And, and now you know that, just being a varsity softball player throughout <laughs> all of high school. No, really, as an athlete, you know there's slumps mm-hmm. that a team can go through, and hopefully you learn from it. And it, we all know this team has the talent oh, sure. that they can go on win. We've seen it in October. Yeah, It's it's now one of those questions of, well, what is what is the problem? And we don't know. We're only in the locker room for post game or for <laughs> practice. We don't see everything else that goes on. But we all know there's something just wrong. There's mm-hmm. something that is up. Yeah. mentally right now with the team that they can't seal the deal. And so to flip gears before we have to go to break, so the big news today, obviously, Mike Babcock. Mm-hmm. 
getting fired from Toronto, the Vegas Knights taking credit for breaking Toronto <laughs> uh, and doing that, but amidst a pretty bad losing streak for them, too, because expectations are so high for Toronto. I mean, we look at Toronto, in the past two seasons, they had 105 points and 100 points. And because of this losing streak they're on right now, they fire Mike Babcock. Mm-hmm. And it's because of expectations. Yeah. And I think St. Louis has changed that model, which and not in a good way. Yeah. Now to people and fans, people see, oh, well, they were last in the league in January and they fired their coach and turned everything around, won a Stanley Cup. Folks, that was history (laughs) making for a reason. It's never happened before. That is not the model you want to go by, by any means that, well, if one team did, it means we can. Yes, it means you can too, but it was record setting in the 100-year history of the NHL for a reason mm-hmm. to be in that place and to come and win a championship. That is not the model you want to take. And I'm not saying that you, you don't need to you know be questioning things. It is totally in everybody's right to be questioning decisions that are made, to be questioning things and the way that things are playing out in the lineup and all of these things. Um, and it's totally okay to have the feeling of you feel like Peter Laviolette is not the head coach of the future for the Predators to win, bring this team a championship, that he's accomplished all he can. It's totally okay to have that. It's more about how you present these opinions, mm-hmm. folks, in, in terms of having those takes. So give some reasons why, not just you want change for the sake of change, but if you feel like there's somebody better out there that you think is going to take this team in the right direction, by all means, okay. So it's one of those things, keep it, keep it balanced. Keep those opinions balanced in terms of what you want out of this team because who knows what kind of change could happen, and then the team has to make drastic changes. I'd still rather see this team get into January and see where they're at Mm -hmm. to really evaluate it, or even at least late December to start evaluating, see what the trade market may look like to improve, and everything from there, because that's where you're going to see a lot of changes happen, and and the trade market really start to open up is right around now as injuries are happening for some teams. We've seen some trades. I mean, Steve Eisman getting Robbie Fabry. And he's, what, scored three goals already since the trade? <laughs> so the trade market starts to open up a little bit so teams know what they have or what they need due to injury, things like that. Uh, but before we have to go to break, there are some things that are upcoming that you all need to know about. Uh, one of the big things is we're going to talk about that with Danny Butler. Next segment is the, the Country Classic. Some women's hockey, NCAA hockey coming to Fort Center Bellevue next weekend, so Thanksgiving weekend. But high school hockey coming up this Friday. So Friday night, I mean, with high school football, Pretty much wrapping up, why don't you go out and support your high school hockey team, Mount Juliet, Wilson Central, Lebanon, taking on Pope John Paul II, CPA, and that's Friday at 6.30 at the Centennial Sportsplex, and then USN, DCA, and MLK taking on Blackman Stewart's Creek at Friday Center, Antioch, Friday at 7.30, and then MTSU is on the road. Mm-hmm. Abigail, you're the sideline reporter <laughs> for MTSU Hockey. They take on Ole Miss uh, this Friday and Saturday at the Mid-South Ice House. Coming off of a winning streak, by the way, just swept EKU. Just going to throw that out there and heading for an SEC-HC rivalry game in Ole Miss. So this will be a fun one, yeah. Big one. And then UT is on the road down to Atlanta. The Ice Falls are taking on Georgia Tech Friday night. And then Kennesaw State Saturday night. So two big SEC-HC matchups for them as well. And intern Danielle will be going to Tennessee next year. We are spreading the wealth here (laughs) at at PBR. So happy with that. But you know what? It's... (laughs) It's gotten a little warmer out, Abigail, but we've had some cold, cold nights. And when it's cold (laughs) out, you really start thinking of, oh, I need a warm weather vacation. Bye, bye, bye! 
So what you should do is join Penalty Box Radio, Ships and Trips Travel, and Royal Caribbean July 12th to 19th for a special hockey fan cruise aboard the Liberty of the Seas. Sailing out of Galveston, and the destinations include Cozumel, Costamai, and Roatan, Honduras. And hey, it's not just for fun. We're raising money for the Natural Predators Foundation. We're going to have unique opportunities, a silent auction to raise money for a great cause. We have private ice rentals. Yes, there is a rink. On the ship where we can go ice skating. Whoa. And we get to do that three times. <laughs> Working on special guests, cocktail parties, trivia nights, and so much more. You can find out more information at HockeyFanCruise.com. That's HockeyFanCruise.com with Penalty Box Radio, Ships and Trips Travel, and Royal Caribbean sailing July 12th to 19th. Okay, up next, Danny Butler, General Manager for Ford Ice Center, comes on to talk about all things hockey. Because that's what we do on the show here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN, 1025 The Game. <laughs> And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here at ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford. Abigail Martin in for Glenn tonight. Producer Calvin behind the glass. And Abigail, Calvin was positive <laughs> that since you go to MTSU, that you were at least going to recognize one of the bump songs. What was that one? Do we have to talk about it? Well, just answer the question so we get to Danny. Oh, my goodness. Honestly, I couldn't even tell you the song. I just know the beat. Oh. I know. Everybody's so, so disappointed. And I'm so, wait, be hum- it's humble. Kendrick Lamar. Sorry. I needed a minute. There Thank we go. You. I'm so proud. That we finally so got amazing. one. We finally got one. <laughs> All right. Well, excited to have this next guest on, Danny Butler, the general manager for Ice Center. Join us on the line. Danny, how you doing? Justin, what's going on? Abigail, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. So, hey, Justin, just a heads up. Oh, boy. I, I got a little promotion. Sure. So it's now vice president and general manager. How about that? Huh? Oh, oh, big day. Oh, oh, oh Danny Butler. <laughs> Well, congratulations on that, uh, man. That's exciting. No, 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 no. Uh, no, it's cool. <laughs> How's it going? It's going great. And, and the reason I wanted to have you on because we have so many exciting events, hockey events coming to Nashville that I wanted to just get your information, uh, get more information on and talk to you about it because there's so many things coming up. And the big one next weekend is the Country Classic. I mean, this is a pretty big deal uh, coming up at Fort I Center Bellevue to have some major powerhouse NCAA women's college hockey teams coming down south to play a showcase. Yeah, I mean, besides when the Preds practice out, uh, you know, one of the Fort I Centers, I mean, these are going to be the best teams that have ever played, you know, at, at, at one of our buildings. You know, we have the number one, the number two, the number six, and the number nine ranked <laughs> NCAA Division One hockey teams coming to, to, uh, to Nashville, to Bellevue, really. Uh, I mean, that's pretty exciting. You know, you look at any other sport, you get the number one, number two, number six, number nine. I mean, you're charging thousands of dollars to get into the building to see those teams play. So it'll be cool to have them here, you know, weekend after Thanksgiving, or, you know, right after Thanksgiving, um, you know, Friday and Saturday of next week. Uh, to have some really, I mean, it's going to be good hockey in the building, which will be fun. You know, and it all ties around also, you know, what's fun about it, you know, and the reason we did it this way, is it ties around a you know a girls hockey tournament that's also going on that weekend. So there'll be a little break in the action. All the girls will be able to go watch these games, and then uh, they'll continue their tournament you know after and around these games. So it's pretty cool to have the you know four top ten ranked teams in the country. So. 
which is just even great, too, just for the growth of hockey, and especially for young girls out there to go out and see people they can emulate and look up to and see role models out on the ice and saying, yes, I can get a scholarship, I can go play college hockey, I can do this, and I can grow in my sport and do that too. And so Minnesota, Wisconsin, Boston College, and Harvard coming down here. And so how did this come about? I mean, this is pretty exciting. And Bellevue, especially with that big rink there too, which looks awesome with the color coding, how it is for Preds, gold and blue out there too. And so it's going to look great out there too. How did this kind of come about to get these teams to come down here? Yeah, you know what? It came about about a year ago, maybe a little bit more. Uh, then a year ago, um, you know, we got a call, really, actually, from the director of hockey operations from Harvard. Um, he does a lot with girls' hockey all over the country. And uh, he said he wanted to kind of start a new tradition. Uh, you know, weekend after Thanksgiving, bring a tournament like this, you know, bring a girls' tournament in, and then bring four girls' teams in with it. You know, at the time, we didn't know it was going to be, you know, four of the best-ranked teams in the country. Um, so we said, yeah, why not? I mean, you know, Justin, you've known me for a while. I say yes to a lot of things, and they probably say yes to a little bit. <laughs> too quickly but i mean this this was a no-brainer to say yeah let's do it and then as the season has progressed and these teams are really good um you know it makes it even more special so so really it was just a phone call and you know bellevue wasn't even open yet i mean it really was we probably just started construction on bellevue and we're like yeah let's why not let's see what happens so uh so we did and we worked so sean o'brien with with harvard hockey has been instrumental in making this happen and he came out came to town a couple weeks ago to see the facility and and he loved it, and he's, he wants to make this a long-term thing already, and we haven't even played any games yet. So, so it's exciting. Have you heard of any teams, like any rumors going around, even not even just teams, but just people going around saying, oh, let's go to this, let's make these plans to go during Thanksgiving weekend? Yeah, it's been fun. Like, one, we've already sold over 200 tickets for each game. Awesome. Right? So, I mean, that's a, that's a big number for, for being in a, in a building like ours. You know, we'll sell about 800 tickets for the weekend. So we do, we do have some room to go. But it's already sold 800 tickets or uh, 200 tickets a couple weeks out. Uh, it's exciting. You see it on all our social media pages, you know, the comments of, of people excited to see it. You know, I'm getting text messages about it. Um, th- there's definitely a lot of buzz around it. And as it's getting closer, uh, you, you can hear a lot more. You know, even internally in our building, people are getting pretty excited about it. You know, our hockey operations department's excited about it. You know, it's just good to have good hockey in, in, in town. And, and that's what this brings. So definitely a lot of buzz. Um, we've, you know, all the, the girls, you know, when women's programs are around, you would reach out to them to let them know that this is coming. So there's a lot of excitement with all of that. And those games are Friday afternoon and Saturday afternoon. And, and hey, Penalty Box Radio is actually going to be helping run stats for that tournament. So I'm very proud to be a part of it <laughs> that way as yeah. well, showing off. <laughs> no, I, I mean, Justin, and you probably don't get this enough. Uh, I mean, you do. You play, you know, Penalty Box Radio, all of you guys play a huge part in everything that we do in, in the grassroots of hockey. And, and this is definitely one of those things. So, yeah. Like you said, games are at 1 o'clock, 4.30 on Friday, and then the same thing, 1 o'clock, 4.30 on Saturday. So it's Boston College versus Minnesota, then Harvard versus Wisconsin on Friday, and Boston College versus Wisconsin, then uh, Harvard versus Minnesota. Um, on Friday, there will be a meet-and-greet after each of the games with the two teams. All the details aren't completely ironed out for that, but we expect some sort of meet-and-greet, whether it's the whole team or a couple players um, you know, after those games, which will be great. That's awesome. So, folks, if you have you know, your young girl hockey players, bring them to that. That's a great way for them to talk to these players and meet these players, and you just learn more about their future and everything, too. And so, Danny, sticking with college hockey, and I know this isn't going to take place at any of the Fordyce centers, but it just shows how Nashville's become a destination for hockey and for college hockey now, too. That Hall of Fame game that's going to feature North Dakota and Penn State is just a pretty big deal for that to be coming to Nashville because those both those fan bases just seem excited to be coming here. What does that say to you about the growth of demand, people wanting to come experience hockey here in Nashville? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it talks about two things. It talks about the growth of hockey and just how exciting it is to be in Nashville, right? So it's both those things. I mean, Penn State's probably closer, but Penn State's probably six, seven, eight hundred miles away. Yeah, I, I don't even know where North Dakota really is in the country. It's far. Um, but, you know, two powerhouses. You know, North Dakota's been around forever. You know, Penn State is relatively a new team. You know, I think they're five, six, seven years old, something like that. But since they've come in and part of the Big Ten, I mean, they're, they're a powerhouse in their, in their program. So uh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be two really good teams, um, you know, playing in Nashville. So, one, the fan bases for both those teams travel anywhere any of their teams play, especially – you know, North Dakota hockey. So, you know, I can see Bridgestone being pretty crowded for this event. Um, and that's even one that we're hearing a lot of buzz about, too, already. So so that one will be really, really cool. And going into, like, the local college hockey aspect of it, are you, with MTSU going into the SCCHC, are you seeing a lot more buzz going on in the facilities with now having MTSU and Vanderbilt? What are you seeing from those college chapters and fan-wise? Yeah, no, it's been really big. You know, having and what's even helped with that, and this might sound a little silly, but MTSU and Vanderbilt both now having their home buildings, mm-hmm. right? You know, with with Vanderbilt being in Bellevue and MTSU being in in um, Antioch, you know, they have their own home, right? It is now their home, their space. You know, their you know their fans know that when they have a home game, that's where they're going. Uh, so yeah, definitely a lot of buzz. You're seeing crowds. You know, for both MTSU and Vanderbilt. You know, they're pushing a few hundred for each game. So definitely good crowds coming out and, and, you know, again, good hockey, right? With MTSU finally being in a conference and, and playing, you know, a, a, I don't want to say normal schedule, but more of a predictable schedule and playing a lot of those other SEC, HC teams, you know, it's, it's created just some natural buzz that, you know, they're going to play these you know, 10, 15 other schools every year. And, and sticking with ice, but switching over to figure skating now, it was recently announced, too, that Nashville's going to host the 2022 U.S. Figure Skating Championships. And, I mean, it's been so huge having Scott Hamilton in his skating academy at Ford Ice Center and seeing figure skating continue to grow, really grow here, and him wanting to always host more events like that. How exciting is it to know that those figure skating championships are coming to Nashville and was a show for the growth of the figure skating community here as well? Yeah, Justin, and they go hand in hand, right? You know, I, I have to give a little bit of a speech on this tomorrow, and it's exciting to see both sides of what we're doing, right? It's not just hockey. It's not just figure skating. It's both sides are, are exceeding expectations and are bringing in some of the biggest events you can possibly bring in. You know, the 2022 Nationals for figure skating is literally the second biggest event you could possibly host. The only other way you host a bigger event is if you're hosting the Olympics for figure skating. So, uh, you know, it, it's two weeks, three weeks before the Olympics, actually take place. So this this event, I almost call it a tournament, this, this figure skating championship is the precursor to the Olympics. The Olympic, the U.S. figure skating team will come out of this this uh, event just a few weeks before that is the Olympics. So having Scott here, having Corey Aid here now, you know, it really helps solidify our market as a destination that U.S. figure skating wants to be in. You know, and hopefully this, this becomes a long-term partnership with us, almost like it is, you know, SEC, um, for basketball, right? You know, we're the home, and hopefully, long term, you know, they want to keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back. But again, you know, you have the greatest women's hockey players coming next week, and then what's it, two and a half years? You have the greatest figure skaters in the country coming to Nashville, and and again, you'll just keep seeing that growth. Right now, that we have the two R two buildings and Centennial Sportsplex, you're going to keep seeing growth, and we're going to need a fourth one and a fifth one because if we keep bringing these big events in, like you said earlier, it's going to get the girls out. You can see that they can play hockey and play, you know, get a scholarship to play hockey, and it's going to get boys and girls out seeing, oh, these are the greatest figure skaters in the world. I want to do that. 
know, and it, it makes people come to Nashville to do that. So it really is, it's great for what, you know, what we do as rinks. It's great for the city. It's great, you know, just all around for, for everybody to have something else to do. So it's a lot of fun. And we're really excited to be hosting that. Uh, and Scott Hamilton is really excited to be hosting it as well. So. Oh, I can only imagine. His hometown now having being able to host that is going to be exciting, and we're really excited about that. Just It's fun to see so many fun events that are ice-related coming to Nashville because it means less travel budget for me to have to spend. <laughs> well, there you go. But, you know, in, in two and a half years, you'll be doing this full-time. You'll be making a couple hundred grand a year. Oh, Some big sponsors will be flying you around, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, I'll wait for those <laughs> checks to come in. <laughs> Danny, we appreciate it as always, man. Thank you so much for joining us. No, thanks for having me. I really do appreciate it, guys. We'll see you uh, next weekend. Absolutely. Sounds great. Folks, Danny Butler, the vice president and general manager of Ford Ice Center, both in Antioch and Bellevue. Fun, exciting stuff coming up at both of those rinks. You can catch college hockey. You can catch SECHC. You can catch NCAA hockey next weekend with the women's teams coming in. And then lots of figure skating. You can find out more information at FordIceCenter.com. You can find it on the Predators page. You can find it on social media, wherever you need to. Okay, up next, Milwaukee Admirals on an eight-game winning streak. We have John Jensen of Penalty Box Radio, our own John Jensen, coming on to talk about that. Up next from Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025, The Game. Radio, ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Abigail Martin in for Glenn Blackwell. Producer Calvin behind the glass. I don't think we know that one, bud. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean it by g Easy. Almost forgot what I played. Oh, oh I knew that. I know that. G-Eazy. Yeah. <laughs> we're getting there. It's a process. We're getting hey, there. Hey, Abigail got us a plus one. <laughs> Yeehaw. We're, still, we're like a minus 16, but she got us a plus one right there. So. Winning streak. Unless it was Halloween. I think we got three of those. But none of those were wrapped, so. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> okay. Up next, Milwaukee Admirals are hot, 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 hot right now. And we're going to bring on John Jensen to talk about those Admirals. John, welcome to the show. Thanks, Justin. How's it going today? It's it's going all right now that I'm talking with you, buddy. Aww. <laughs> I know. Hey, John, I'm, by the I'm way. I'm feeling it, too. Hey, everybody. <laughs> so, so John, it was a big deal last night for the Milwaukee Admirals to win in Iowa. Iowa has been the bane of Milwaukee's existence for so long now. How big of a deal was it for them to cut, not only just win, but make a comeback and win in overtime at Iowa? I'm going to get a big groan for saying this, but uh, <laughs> playing in Iowa for the Admirals is almost like uh, Bridgestone Arena on a Saturday night for the Predators at this point. They oh. just can't wow. pull it off. I know, it's it's rough, but uh, they pulled it off last night. Dan Carr again saves the day in the shootout. Uh, that's, I think, the third time that that's happened since since he arrived in Milwaukee. Um, and you said it earlier in the show, Dan Carr has been incredible for the Admirals. He's got 10 goals so far in 14 games uh, with eight assists, and uh, yeah, it's been a while since the Admirals won in Iowa, but they were able to keep that winning streak going. So what has it been about Daniel Carr now? Because he leads the team in points. Is this one of those things that you notice that it just it, he's an AHL wizard but just can't quite put it together in the NHL? Or do you think he didn't really get enough time in the NHL with the Predators to show what he's capable of doing? I, I almost wonder what it would have been like had he started the season in Milwaukee, got this start, because 
he's he's definitely an AHL wizard in one way or another. He just he's too good for the AHL, but maybe not good enough for the NHL. Uh, but I think if he had had some ramp up time, that his time in Nashville would have been a little bit different. He's a great player. He's fast. His his shot is spot on and it's crafty. Um, I, I think that if the Predators needed a call up um, for a longer term sort of thing, that that he'd be a good option. Um, assuming that they don't want to put him back down if he underperforms, because then you're dealing with some contract issues, I think. But um, I think had he had some ramp up time, it would have been different. So looking at this win streak, I mean, they've been scoring some goals. I mean, it started all with the win over Chicago with 5-2. Manitoba had six goals, had four against San Antonio, six against Chicago again, five against Laval, four against Belleville, and then scored six against the Wild. What has been the secret to them with this so much goal production in this winning streak? If you look at if you look at the names on this roster, I think I think most people could have assumed that this is what games were going to look like for the Admirals. You've got, you know, the season didn't start with Dan Carr, but he was just some more offensive uh, power. But you had Yakov Trennan, Cole Schneider has always been good in the AHL for, for production. Colin Blackwell is good. Um, Ren Pitlick finally got the monkey off his back, so he is uh, producing very well right now. Uh, Tolvanen's not, we'll get to that, I'm sure, but uh, he's not right where we'd like him to be quite yet. Um, but you can definitely tell that it's the offense. You just uh, ran off the scores. Um, Milwaukee has not been held to less than three goals since the 1st of November. They've scored three or more in every game since then. Um, and the goaltending has been good, but it's not been top of the league. Troy Grosnick is 13th in terms of goals against average. He's at 2.23, and Connor Ingram 15th in the league at 2.35. So they're not you know, lighting the world on fire, but there's just, there's a lot of offensive talent there uh, that just doesn't have a spot in Nashville right now, it seems. And uh, until those guys get the call-ups, it sounds like this is what the Admirals are going to be doing. And you mentioned those call-ups and thinking about Carr and the Preds, but do you think that Olivier and Santini were the right options for the Preds at this moment? I think defensively Santini wasn't a bad option. He's he's a good skater. He, um, he you know, he's not top of the line. I maybe would have gone with a Frederick Allard or even a, a Tenori if it was me, but um, Santini wasn't a bad option. Um, Matthew Olivier, you, you've got guys who are producing more offensively, but he maybe fits better into that that fourth line mentality that, that uh, Laviolette tries to play into. Um, Olivier has, uh, let's see, two goals, five assists on the season. So he's not at the same level that uh, uh, Colin Blackwell's at or Dan Carr. You know, we've talked about him already, but um, he maybe fits better on that fourth line than, than maybe a Pitlick would have or Dan Carr. I think Dan Carr, you're looking at a, a top two line um, sort of call up instead. Again, John Jensen of Penalty Box Radio joining us here on Penalty Box Radio, to talk Milwaukee Admirals on an eight-game win streak right now. John, you mentioned him earlier. we got to talk about him. Ellie Tolvanen, four points in 18 games. Is this one of those things where he's just so close, but it's not falling for him? Lots of posts like last year, or is there something other than that that's frustrating people? Because we obviously can't watch a lot of these games, so we're relying on you to give us a little bit of a scouting report on him. Yeah, so Tolvanen, um, I don't know. It, it's It's tough to say because you can't say it's for lack of trying. He he leads the team right now in shots on goal. 
got 49 for the season. Cole Schneider's in second with 43. So if you look at their production, uh, Cole Schneider's got six goals on those 43 shots, uh, and he's got 10 assists off of those. So you got to figure that some of those shots ended up getting tipped in by another skater. Tolvanen's only got two and two. He's got two goals and two assists. One of those two goals came in one of the first two or three games of the season. So he's, he's trying. He's putting shots on net, but it always seems to be coming from the same spot. He likes to shoot from the top of the circle. Um, a lot of the times that's a low danger shot for him, and there's uh, there's just not a clean shot for him, and it's not not working. Goaltenders are, are seeing it. So hopefully it's one of those things where once he gets a goal again, he's just starts producing like crazy like Rem Pitlick has been because I had a lot of the same criticisms of Rem Pitlick up until this point because his production was really low until the last five games really but Tolvanen just hasn't seemed to to click with it yet um, and he's, he's playing on a decent line a lot of the times he's playing with Jakob Trenin uh, who's second on the team in terms of points and he's playing with Colin Blackwell who's also a good offensive player so it's confusing I'm hoping he does break out of it but um, whenever I see this question pop up on Twitter where someone's like, why are we calling up Olivier or why are we calling up Trenin? Why don't we call up Tolvanen? This is why. It's, it, he's not going to produce at the levels that NHL fans want him to when he's only producing four points in the AHL over 18 games. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I mean, with Tolvanen, I mean, Justin and I, we got to watch him over the summer, and I mean, I'm sure you saw all the reports. And seeing him from this summer to now in his play with the Admirals, are you seeing any changes in the game? Is he has he stopped has he stopped his game? Has something changed as far as his game goes? What do you think has moved him from in the summer? Okay, Tolvanen looks a lot better. This could be something that you wait just a little bit longer, and he makes his way with the Predators, or has something just completely changed going into the Admirals? I wonder if getting getting sent back to Milwaukee at the end of of camp and of uh, the preseason, if, if that just didn't sit right with him and he's he's just not trying as hard as, as maybe he did during uh, during camp or, or last season towards the end because he did he did pick up towards the end of last season in terms of production. What I saw last season was that that shot was constantly coming from the top of the circle. It was the same every time. And if any teams were doing any scouting on the Admirals, they knew that that shot was coming. Uh, but then towards the end of the season, he started getting more uh, close to the net. He was getting high danger chances um, on net, and and he was scoring. But this season, it seems to have gone right back to that shot coming from from the point or from the top of the circle. Not not a high danger chance at all, and it's it's getting stopped almost every single time. So I, I think that it's been. It's been getting into the, the nitty-gritty of it, and he's he's just stopped doing that. And, John, before I have to let you go, I mean, one of the names you threw out there was Cole Schneider, and he's currently just on an AHL contract. Is is he or any of the other guys in Milwaukee kind of playing themselves into the opportunity to have the Predators actually sign them to a Predators contract and not just a contract with Milwaukee? I would love to see Cole Schneider on, a, on an NHL contract, but with that being said, he's – He's further along in his career. He's a little older than some of the other players. And if you've got talent like Dan Carr or even Trennan, you know, Trennan's only got one NHL game under his belt. So he potentially could be producing at much better levels if he gets a chance to settle into the NHL role. Uh, Cole Schneider, he's a great player. He's, he's productive in the AHL. I don't know that he needs to be signed to a contract when the Predators have so many options 
on the Milwaukee roster right now. Uh, but like I said, I've enjoyed watching him play. I think the fans love watching him play. But uh, there's definitely a lot of options there for the Predators for the future. No, you're absolutely right. Well, John, as always, we appreciate your insight. Thank you for keeping us up to date on all those Preds prospects in Milwaukee. And well, I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon. Awesome. Thanks, Justin. All righty. Thanks, John. It's John Jensen, our own PBR reporter up in Milwaukee, covering the Milwaukee Admirals. And lots of insight there, Abigail, because we just need to keep an eye on what's going on there because the prospect pool is deep again for the Preds. We've got to see because so many guys are getting their call-ups, kind of the roundtable, where you can uh, keep seeing what's coming up for the future. Mm -hmm. And right now is definitely the time to be looking there. I mean, you see just the other day, too, got called up, got Olivier and Santini being called up. When the Preds are in a slump like this, you might be looking towards Milwaukee to see, okay, this lineup obviously is not working, and Laviolette said it flat out, lineup change. You need, I mean, if it's not working, it's not working, and there's comes to a point where you can't force it. Something has to change, either mentality-wise. If that locker room is not going all the way full force to find that change, give someone give someone a heads up. I mean, Turs got scratched. Yeah, lineup got position. Yeah. All right, so up next, we have plenty of questions that came in with everything that's been <laughs> happening with the Predators, what happened with Toronto. We're going to answer those. Intern Danielle is going to join us on air next here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025 The Game. Let's go. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Abigail Martin in for Glenn, intern Danielle, intern Jonah joining us. He came all the way from Columbia to shadow us tonight. Bravo. Bravo. Interns are everywhere. And producer Callum behind the glass, who knows how I operate, even told me there's no drop in this one. You know, I'm just a seasoned professional you back are, here. You are. You are. You get me. You know how I do with the bump music, man. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Th- thank you for being you. I just show up every day, try to do my job, and help the team the best I can. Oh, my God. That was my best night. a full 60 effort? A full 60, That's no stop the I whole like time. That's here. That's, That's my like best Predators it. player impression for you. Get to, obviously, you got to get to the dirty areas. Obviously, get some shots on that. And, you know, just, just get back to playing our, playing our game. Just obviously, play our game. I just get in front, do my thing, work hard. Calvin, how can people find you on Twitter? You deserve it. They, they can follow me at Smith A. Calvin on Twitter and Instagram. I tweet out tons of See? cool football graphs. I'm a football guy. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, that's all good. But, but the thing is with you, you're in the stats. And we had George in. Last week, yes. and you had a good conversation with him because we were waiting outside for him for a few minutes. If you could bring more analytics guys on, I would be so happy because I love to talk about the numbers. That's awesome. See, that's awesome. Numbers mean something. So, all right. Make sure you give Calvin a follow. He is awesome. He deserves that. Okay. Let's answer some questions here because there are a lot. I'm going to start at the bottom and then work our way Started up. Started from the bottom. Now we're here. Now, mm. Abigail's comfortable <laughs> at the studio now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Y'all, follow this man. He has that queued up so quickly. <laughs> All right, Dennis Dennis asks, are you surprised by the lack of production that Ellie Tolvin is having this year? Milwaukee, two goals, two assists through 18 games. Yes, I mean, John talked about it. I, I'm surprised because you expect more than there should be. You should be expecting more. We were pushing for Ellie Tolvin to be in Milwaukee, just saying how good it was for Philip Forsberg to get more seasoning in Milwaukee, and it did him well. Right now, he's got to step up because there's a lot of players that are passing him over for call-up opportunities. Yeah, I mean, that's for sure. I mean, Justin, we got to watch him in the summer, and it was a complete 180. I mean, he lost a ton of weight. He was, I remember he was talking about that. His shot was different. He was going towards the net. He, he was getting the pucks in deep. But <laughs> he was like he he was producing well. He was showing well in the locker room. He looked that he was getting along with everybody and that 
you know, he knew that he belonged there with the Preds in a gold uniform. So it is strange to see him going to the Admirals. I know we just talked to John about that. Um, but if he makes this turnaround, that's going to be the thing. He was saying that, oh, maybe he he was like, oh, this is kind of a wake-up call. Like he took the going back to the Admirals as the wrong way instead of let me get better, let me take this opportunity and be even better than I can be than everybody has potential to see me for. I mean, he does have that potential to so – if he can go to Milwaukee, find his way, find his way out and through this slump. We know slumps are a thing. Look at the Preds, but if he, I think he can come out on top. It's just a matter of it's probably all in his head because as an athlete, you get put down and you're like, oh no, and it's a mental game. That's just point blank. No, you're absolutely right. So, a lot of people questioned on on Peter Laviolette and Mike Babcock. And there's so many questions about this. Does that mean that Peter Laviolette's leash is shorter? What does this mean for the Predators? I mean, there was a six-game losing streak for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Predators are currently at five. I mean, it's next. Look, I think it's it's different for Nashville just based on their track record in terms of how they deal with coaches because the track record is only one <laughs> before this. I think it's going to take more than a six-game losing streak. It's going to take obviously noticing that the players are not trying it's going to take, obviously, noticing that things are just not happening for the Predators. We saw last night the Predators played a better game overall, and that was important right there. They played a better game. It doesn't look like <clears throat> people say that the coach has lost a locker room. It doesn't look like that. If, they, if you're going to make a coaching change, it's more of a you make a coaching change because of a system not working. You're not liking a system, which, in my opinion, I don't like that it's always on the rush. We've discussed this, and more and more people are discussing it now because they're realizing, oh, wow, yeah, the Predators are scoring on the rush. And when they're going to score, you're not seeing them cycle the puck near as much. That's why you're seeing the defensemen get so involved because it is on the rush and not through cycling. So it's one of those things that I don't think the, the leash is as short as it was for Babcock. I think the seat gets a little hotter the further the, the problems progress as you get into December now and you start seeing all these different things. That's when I start seeing a shorter leash. But I don't. Th- but David Poyle is not the kind of person that's going to make a brash decision unless you see noticeably that, they, that the locker room's been lost, something like this has happened. Does that mean it's the right thing? No, not necessarily. I'm just getting, trying to get into the mind of what happens with the organization, and they're not ones to usually make those quick, brash decisions like that. Yeah, I mean – I mean, as far as to go about uh, David Poyle, we all know that he likes to wait to the last minute about things. I mean, like the trade deadline. That's one thing. Completely. Got to find those deals. <laughs> <laughs> completely different side from a coaching aspect. But, I mean, you're right. It's Trotz and Laviolette. But, I mean, it's November. Like, I, it kind of blows my mind. You have to have the patience. These teams are going to go through slumps, and it is better that they're doing it now. And like you said, he didn't lose control of the locker room. I mean, you look from the differences just be, like just between the Hawks game and the Jets game, completely different. Was the scoreboard different and the outcome different? No. I mean, that's arguable, but that happened. You still lose hockey games no matter how good your players are, no matter how good your coach is. But I think Peter Laviolette has – I don't know. He doesn't have a short leash. That's just – I think he's going to have the rest of this year and see where this outcome's going to go. And if we really want to talk about how hot is that seat going to go, it's going to look more into next season. I don't think that any decision would be made this current offseason. You're going to let it go one more year and see if those wins pick up and see if this losing streak becomes a consistent thing because that that's the big point. Is it going to be consistent or is it just a slump? So if it goes into that mark of being consistent, that's where a change would be seen. 
No, you make a good point. Okay, uh, Jason Cruz asks, not to troll, but genu- genuinely curious how strong is a 2020 draft class supposed to be? Not as strong as a 2021. I'll just I'll leave it at that one right there. Uh, Gin and Juice, or Gin and Yusa, if you want to pronounce his name correctly <laughs> in this. Uh, what are some glaring issues with the system you've identified, if any? The, glare, the glaring issues that you were... <laughs> An issue right now because of the way the NHL consistently is evolving is you're relying too much on your defenseman to lead in your scoring still because it's on the rush. And I've already said this, so I don't want to repeat it. So I want to let Danielle have an opportunity to answer this, what you've seen. Absolutely. I agree that you can't rely on your defenseman to get to the net. And the forwards are lacking on the rebounds. They're not driving the net. They are rushing, and they're not setting up plays. And that's something that you cannot rely on your defense to do. Your defensemen are supposed to stay up at the blue line, make a play if they can make a play, and defend. And especially on the power play, they've kind of slipped off of that relying on your defensemen as much as they did last season. But they're at a point where they can't rely on Roman Yossi to carry the weight and Ryan Ellis to carry the weight. Dante Fabro, Matias Ekholm always has a step on him. He's still developing. And when you only have three really strong defensemen, you can't put that much pressure on them to help with the offense. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, I said it earlier, but you're not seeing the offense go into their offensive zone and set up a play and look to drive the defense in and get the pucks get the pucks in D if I keep going back to it. Well, you said it. Uh, you really said it in answering a question. You legitimately meant it, I know. too. I mean, I'm definitely fired then. That's, that's just the way it is. <laughs> Bye, y'all. No, but, <laughs> no, Danielle, I mean, you're completely right. And seeing recently, I've noticed that Roman Yossi, I don't know if it's the captain aspect or what, but he is looking more offensively than defense. Not saying he's completely so he changed his teams. game. Right, exactly. He is driving towards the net. He's going he's going behind the net to try and make a play, which I mean cool, great, but you as Daniel said, you want him at the blue line. What if you get what if someone turns the puck over? I mean Olivier turned the puck over the other day and didn't, I mean luckily nothing went out of that, but you're seeing Yossi rush the puck. He is a defenseman. Let him play at the blue line and give him some like, just give him some breathing room. All right. Well, thank you so much, Abigail, for being a guest co-host. Really appreciate it. Congratulations on your debut. Thanks for having here. me. Intern Danielle, thank you so much. Intern Jonah, thanks for joining us. And producer Calvin, as always, thank you for those beats. If you missed anything, you can always find more information at PenaltyBoxHero.com. Lots of coverage of high school and college hockey and Milwaukee Admirals and podcast and, 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 and everything you need to cover all things hockey in the Music City. This is Justin Bradford. Thanks so much for listening to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game.